So have you been really hungry? Have you ever had a moment in your life where you're starved? Yeah, maybe you skipped recess at school and um, just because you wanted to get on and play a game. Maybe you were flat out at work and you literally forgot about eating. That happens, doesn't it? Or even, um, this is probably the worst of all, you leave your lunch on the kitchen bench at home and you just think about it all day. Uh, being hungry is not, not a fun feeling and you get home and you go straight for the fridge. So hunger is bad enough, but it's worse when you can't get any food and that's what's happening here in this story in Mark's Gospel. We see a hungry crowd, uh, a crowd who is, whose stomachs are grumbling, who's physically hungry. But more than that, as we look here, we look a bit closer at the words in, these, in this story, uh, we see a crowd hungry for all kinds of needs, really. A crowd hungry for all kinds of needs to be met by Jesus. Uh, and you can just imagine what those needs were that, um, that, that, would have got, that was occurring here in this story. Um, the sickness, um, maybe emotional or physical needs of all kinds. So what we've got here is a crowd that will have their hunger met in more than one way. Because Jesus is interested here not only in meeting their physical needs, uh, he does that in this amazing way, but he shows us here that he's come to meet their and our spiritual needs as well. That's what the story of the loaves and fishes is all about. Um, Jesus meets our greatest need, our need for a shepherd king. Jesus is the shepherd king who has compassion. We see that, see that there is our first point. And Jesus is the shepherd king who feeds his people. But what does all that mean? Well, let's have a look. First of all, we see here Jesus is the shepherd king who has compassion. We get this from verses 30 to 34. Now, I was away this week, as I said before, and it was a great time. I enjoyed my time away. But it's always good to come back, isn't it? Always good to come back. Um, verse 30, the apostles, if you notice, they've been away, but now they've come back. Um, they were sent out on mission by Jesus to be his ambassadors. Um, his disciples had been sent out, if you remember back a few weeks ago, to do exactly what Jesus was doing in casting out demons and preaching and healing. They went out on this preaching tour around the towns of Nazareth um, and uh, they were sent to perform miracles, these signs which pointed to Jesus' kingdom, that Jesus is God's king in God's world. And it's been a successful trip. And now they've come back. But there's a problem, verse 31. Have a look there. Then, because many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Now, Jesus, let's, guys, let's head out to a quiet place, to the wilderness in the desert. Um, you're so busy, you can't even eat. Jesus knows that we're human. See that there? He knows that we're, we get tired. Um, you guys need some food. Let's debrief in a quiet place and get refreshed. But they get on the boat and what happens next? They're spotted. Verse 33, people follow them. Now that's interesting, isn't it? They follow them around the shore of the lake. And it's not just one or two people, it's a crowd, a large number of people. 
Now, it's a picture of desperation, isn't it? Why would you follow someone around a lake if not that you're desperate? And who can blame them, really? So if you were sick and you know someone could heal you, you'd follow them around the lake, wouldn't you? Uh, If you'd been oppressed by a demon and you know there was someone who could free you, release you from that evil, you'd follow them around a lake. Uh, If you were in an emotionally dark place and wouldn't you go to find out what Jesus has to offer? Wouldn't you go to Jesus? Verse 34, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus sees the faces before him, all these people, and these people with all kinds of needs. Now, he could have jumped back on the boat. He could have got back on the boat when he saw the crowds. If it was me, tired and worn out, I'd be more likely to not come ashore at that moment. You know, take some annual leave and see you in a week, guys, and float away. But see the heart of Jesus. He's so moved by their need that he gets off the boat. Such is his compassion for them. He's moved with compassion. And notice there what he's moved by. He sees that they are like sheep without a shepherd. Now, the shepherding metaphor, that's a very important metaphor in the scriptures. It's found right through the Bible. It's very important. It's a metaphor of, for leadership. Uh, it often is used to describe the leaders of Israel, the elders, uh, the kings. God's people, people are often described as sheep. Sheep under the care of a shepherd leader. Now, now someone like Moses is called a shepherd in Numbers 27. David is called a shepherd. He was literally a shepherd before he became a shepherd of God's people. You see that in Psalm 78. So was Moses, actually, by the way. Shepherd leaders of Israel were to care for God's people. Um, And they were to do this knowing that God was their shepherd. God was their king, their leader. God himself was Israel's shepherd king. But you see the problem, verse 34. See the problem. The problem that Jesus sees in the faces, sees in the hearts of the people before him is that they were shepherdless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. There has been a failure of leadership. They're lost. They don't have anyone to help them. They have physical needs, people with guilt and sin, people hungry for love, people who need security. People are wandering away like sheep into danger. It's a crowd in need of a shepherd, in need of God to be their shepherd. And Jesus steps off the boat and he does what God promised to do in Ezekiel 34, where God says, and and I quote, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. And he says, I will feed them with good pasture. Jesus steps off the boat and, and does what God promised to do for his people. He begins to tend his flock. But how does Jesus care for the flock? What does this heart of compassion look like for Jesus here? How does he care for them? You know, when I think about compassion, most of the time I think about meeting physical needs, don't I? I I think that maybe you do too. Perhaps dropping meals off to someone or 
or lending a listening ear. But what Jesus does here is perhaps surprising for us and I would suspect surprising for the crowd. Jesus, verse 34, it says, so he began to teach, began teaching them many things. Jesus has compassion. This is, this is a needy crowd, right? They've run around the lake. Jesus has compassion and motivated by compassion, he teaches them. The problem is the leaders of Israel had failed them. They had failed them. The elders of Israel had failed these people. They were not faithful in feeding the sheep. They weren't leading them in God's ways or otherwise they would have recognised that the king had come in Jesus. The shepherds had failed and they were malnourished. They weren't taught and they were in need of a shepherd to teach them. They need Jesus to teach them, to lead them, to feed them the word of God. And that's what the crowd needed that day most of all. They needed a compassionate shepherd. And it's what we need as well. For Jesus, compassion wasn't merely meeting physical needs. For Jesus, compassion also meant preaching and teaching. Uh, There's something for us in this. It's good to care for people in physical need. It's good to do that. It's love of neighbour. You know, whether that's helping out someone heat their house in the dead of winter or... Um, perhaps dropping off some groceries for someone with COVID. Whatever it is, love of neighbour requires caring for physical needs and problems. But for Jesus, compassion meant more than that. It meant preaching the good news of God as well. Compassion meant teaching about many things, as it says there. And so if we're to have hearts of compassion, we need to be moved by the need of people without a shepherd. We need to see people around us, our friends, the person down the street from you, the person you run into at the shop. We need to see them with the eyes of Jesus. Do we look at people with the same eyes? Does the heart of Christ being worked in us by the Holy Spirit move us to see people without a shepherd? Do we see people that we know, do we see them starved of Christ? And, that's, and that being their greatest need in life. Do we see people lost and wandering in need of a shepherd, God himself? More than we need healing, more than you need release from your emotional or mental needs, more than freedom from your immediate difficulties and problems in life, what we need more is Jesus and his word. We need God to be our shepherd, to teach us, to lead us, to comfort us, to give us hope and security and sustain us in life. What we need most of all is to know the great shepherd of the sheep, Jesus. Jesus is saying here, you need to feed on me and my word. That's what you need here. But why does he do that? Why does he do that? Why does he he, uh, immediately teach them? Because the next part of the story, it really illustrates it. Um, Jesus demonstrates in this miracle that he is the shepherd who feeds his sheep. He is the God who feeds his people in the wilderness. So Jesus not only has this heart of compassion for his people, but he's the God who feeds his people. 
Um, This is our final point. He's the shepherd king who feeds. Jesus does, if you noticed here, he does what God does for Israel in the wilderness. This is more, we have to understand this, this is more than just a moral lesson about poverty relief or feeding hungry people or mercy ministry. That's to miss the point of the story. The story of the loaves and fishes isn't really about that. It's about who Jesus is. It's about his identity. Jesus is showing us who he is and what he's come to do. Jesus feeds us and satisfies us, as it says in verse 42. He satisfies our greatest need and indeed every need in life. So look at verse, uh, where are we, 35. And we'll pick up there. Um, Verse 35, after he's been teaching, right? And it's getting late. And his disciples came to him, as it says there. They come into the scene. And and we're reminded here, this is again, if you look there, taking place in a wilderness. It says a remote place, 35. This is something that Mark wants us to understand. He said it three times in these verses. So the disciples say, send the crowds away so so they can buy something to eat. I mean, there aren't any shops in the bush, right? But Jesus answers, verse 37, if you flip over the page, you give them something to eat. Now, Jesus, um, yep, right. Um, We're in the wilderness, guys. Uh, There's no shops around here. It's impossible. That's more than half a year's wages, even if it had the money. I mean, I would struggle to cater for 50 people. I'm a pretty good cook, but 50 people's enough for me. Um, A giant pot of spaghetti bolognese can feed a lot of people, but the crowd is so large. There are 5,000 men, plus women, plus children on top of that. Now, kids, I've got a maths problem for you. Right. If one person eats one sandwich, how many sandwiches do you need if you have to make 5,000 sandwiches? People. Have to feed 5,000 people. Sorry, that was a bad maths question. Yep. How many sandwiches do you need if you need to feed 5,000 people? 5,000. Have you ever seen 5,000 sandwiches? No. Where are they going to get the food? Do you know where they're going to get the food? You do? Okay. It's a secret. We'll find out in a minute. Jesus asked them, verse 38, how many loaves do you have? No one's really packed any food because they've rushed around a lake, right? They've been desperate. They're trying to get there. They weren't planning ahead. No eskies. Five loaves, two fishes. That's all that could be found. Impossible situation, even if they had a catering budget. There's no food. Um, It's like trying to get a good coffee in Launceston after five o'clock. It's not going to happen. There's no way of getting enough bread even if they had the money. And so this sets up an amazing miracle, doesn't it? And it's so full of significance. Let's take a deep dive into the significance of this miracle. If you're a Bible reader, and if you read some of the Old Testament, your radar should be buzzing. Can you hear the echoes? It's echoing like someone shouting in a cave. These stories of the Old Testament. It's so familiar, for starters, that reading from 2 Kings chapter 4. 
It's almost certain that 2 Kings 4, um, that, that Mark had that, that passage in mind when he wrote this story, when he wrote it down, because you have the same storyline to an absolute T. You have a hungry crowd, there's no food, the prophet Elisha instructs a servant, a disciple, uh, to feed the crowd. No, can't do it. God works an amazing miracle. Hunger is satisfied, it says, and there's food left over. The Lord provides. As an Old Testament reader, you also have another significant story in your mind, the miracle of the bread from heaven, manna in the wilderness, Exodus 16. Israel are in the wilderness, They've come out of Egypt, and God feeds his people in a barren place, in a wilderness. Mark has been nailing that point down for us. Can you hear the echo? Bread from heaven, like a carpet on the ground. Quail to feed Israel. No shops, no farms, nothing in the wilderness. They had to rely on God and God provides. Exodus 16 verse 17 says, The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little, and when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much didn't have too much. The one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered as much as they needed. Hear the echo? Everyone was satisfied. Everyone had enough to eat. God feeds his people in the wilderness. And the reason he does that, it says later in Deuteronomy, where it reflects back on that time, the reason that God fed his people in the wilderness is so they would know him as their God and listen to him. You see? So they would hear his teaching. And he says, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now, what does Jesus do? He's do he does what God does, right? For the exact same reason. So they would know him as their God. So that they would listen to him. Jesus does what only God can do. He's saying, I'm God. He's making a grand statement about who he is. The miracle is all about his identity as the great shepherd. As God the Son in the flesh, he's saying, I'm the God who has come to feed my people. You've got to trust me. You've got to learn from me and my word. Follow me and worship me as your shepherd king. So let's look at what he does. Verse 39. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Now that's a curious sort of sentence there, isn't it? But what's he doing? He's organising them. He's directing them into groups and he sits them down on green grass. No more are they a desperate crowd. Jesus is shepherding them, shepherding them like a flock of sheep, isn't he? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He has led them to, notice, green pastures. He's literally sitting them down beside the quiet waters of the Sea of Galilee. You know, the same stormy, you know, the stormy sea that he's calmed, now, now flat, just a chapter or so ago. The shepherd, shepherd king is leading them and guiding them and feeding them. Verse 41, this is the extraordinary miracle. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, 
He gave thanks and broke the loaves. He gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Jesus comes to those who are desperate, to those who are destructive, to those downcast by the cares of this world, and he meets their need. Jesus performs this miracle not only for the purpose of feeding the crowd for a short time, you know, they'd be hungry in a couple of hours, but he did this to teach them, teach them and us, about who he is. He's saying, you've got to realise who I am. You've got to realise I'm the, I'm the God who provides, not just physically but spiritually as well. Everything we need in life is found in our Shepherd King. Do you believe this? Everything you need in life is found in Jesus. He meets your greatest and deepest need. Jesus feeds us. He feeds our souls. He provides eternal satisfaction. In Jesus, we'll never go hungry again. You see, there is this incredible connection between Mark 6 and Mark 14 which is called the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is where the disciples and Jesus, they gather in uh, that room, the upper room, and um, just they celebrate the Passover before Jesus was arrested and goes to the cross. You see the connection because Mark uses the exact same verbs here as in, Mark, in chapter 14, in the same order. Jesus takes the bread, he gives thanks, he breaks the bread and he gives it to his disciples. But there's the crucial difference, right? Chapter 6, Jesus feeds people to satisfy them for a short time. Chapter 14, Jesus feeds people with bread that will last forever. He does an extraordinary miracle here, but it points toward the greater miracle of the cross. At the cross, Jesus provides. In the Lord's Supper, he says, Take, this is my body. And he says, drink the cup, saying, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many. Feed on my body and live. Feed on my blood shed for you and live. At the cross, he meets your greatest need in life. Your sin before God paid in full. And in him now, total satisfaction and forever. So, if Jesus has met our greatest need at the cross, our sin paid for, our need for a shepherd to lead us and teach us and love us and save us, then surely he's able to meet every other need in life as well. Surely if Jesus has met our greatest need, remember that whatever needs we have in life, we know that our shepherd cares for us in them. He cares about all other things as well. And there are many needs in our lives. If Jesus' body was broken for you, if his blood was shed for you, then nothing is in, your, in your life is far, too far beyond his compassion, too much for his blood to atone for. There is no one who cares for you more than Jesus does. There is no one more committed to you than Jesus is. There's no one who loves you more than Jesus. If he was willing to be crushed his body and blood shed for you at the cross, then surely he continues to care for you right now. 
whatever you're going through. So if you struggle with guilt, if you struggle with guilt, Jesus is saying, feed on me by faith. I can deal with your guilt. That stuff you're ashamed of, I died for this. If you struggle with acceptance with people, if you feel like an outsider, you just want to be known and and understood, Jesus says, feed on me. Have faith in me. Jesus loves you. His body was given for you. His blood shed for you. No one loves you more than Jesus. He died for you, so feed on him in faith. Now, if you find your heart swelling with anxiety at times, if you're worried and you have fear that just doesn't go away, go to Jesus and he says, I have died for you. I've got the future in my hands. I care for you. So feed on him and be satisfied. What we most need in life is to find our nourishment in Christ, to be constantly coming to him in prayer and feeding on him and his word, to be spiritually fed in the Lord's Supper. Go to him. Feed on him and be satisfied. Jesus is the shepherd king who has compassion and who feeds us. Amen.